Imposter syndrome is still absolutely there in my life. Um, it pops up probably once a week. I don't think it ever goes. Um, but you know, I'm definitely a person that doesn't think too much. I'm, this is probably a, a good positive about my personality that I don't really think too much. I say something out loud and then I basically just will try things and take a bit of action until, you know, and make those mistakes and figure it out along the way. Um, so although it can be there in the back of my head, I basically just take action and keep myself busy until, you know, and block out the noise. Helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders, game-changing influencers, and next-level gurus. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your host, CEO and founder of Energy to Perform, international speaker and leadership performance coach, Craig Johns. On this episode of the Active CEO Podcast, we speak with an incredible entrepreneur who dares to dream, connects and inspires women to bring out their extraordinary, and loves to inspire the next generation through a collection of stories worth sharing. Her education includes a BA Honours in Media Communication and Media Studies from the University of Leeds. In her spare time, she is a fundraising volunteer at the Australian Cambodia Foundation, Sunrise Cambodia. As an entrepreneur, our special guest is a director of Zest Possibilities, co-founder of the League of Extraordinary Women, founder of Project Gen Z, and most recently, the co-founder of Ambezi. I have the pleasure of introducing to you a purpose-driven leader, global change agent, proud mother of two, Latin dancer, and is on a mission <laughs> to educate a million disadvantaged youth by the year 2020, Liz Volpe. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wow, that has got to be the best introduction I've ever, ever had. <laughs> <laughs> well deserved, I must say. <laughs> Inspirational, visionary, and extraordinary are all words used to describe both you and the work that you do. I'm curious to know the backstory to your entrepreneurial dreams, where you grew up, and what was your vision as a child? Wow, yeah, I mean, because really, as a child, this is where it all started, and now so many years on, I always look back and it's like looking at this big jigsaw puzzle where every decision I've made and every little bit of experience I've had has actually led me to this point <laughs> and this was only a realization lately I've had um, so I grew up in a northern town of England um, lovely place called Rochdale um, really you know I guess average average life um, not from a really wealthy family but went through school and I always really enjoyed school but I guess the thing that really stood out to me and the pain that I felt through school was really harsh because I was never really one of the smart kids. So I went through school really, really wanting to find something that I could be good at, but just never ever did. Um, so I think from leaving school, I almost went on this huge pursuit to try and find something that firstly, I was good at, and secondly, I was really passionate at. So my journey as a young person really started as me giving every single possible job I could a shot. And 
pretty much by the age of I was, I was 21, I'd already had 30 jobs. Wow. Which, uh, yeah, my dad wasn't too happy about at the time. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> your, your dad probably had one job in his entire life. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, came from this traditional family. Um, I had been lucky because my mum is quite entrepreneurial and she'd had like a number of businesses. Um, so I had grown up, you know, seeing my mum running businesses, but it was never really a thought, you know, I mean, how could I possibly run a business? Um, I wasn't really particularly good at anything. So yeah, I just started to try anything and everything. And you know, I'd done it. I tried to be an actress, which, yeah, I was absolutely terrible at. I did radio presenting. I worked in customer service at call centers. I sold cars. Um, I worked in factories. You name it, I did it. And I went through my like, late teenage years with four jobs at any one time. So it was pretty full on. <laughs> so there is some evidence to being a journalist um, versus a specialist is actually helpful. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I'd find that I'd start a job and I'd give it 110% and I'd learn as much as I possibly could. And I'd kind of work out during the first three months, you know, what I was really good at and what I liked and what I didn't like about the job. So I think um, it just started to become really evident that one of my best strengths um, was talking, was communication. Um and that's probably what I enjoyed, you know, anything face to face with customers or being on the phones and actually selling was kind of where I started to realize was my natural strength. Um, yeah. But yeah, I kind of got to this point in my life where I was like, well, I'm living in this small town. I've really got to get out of here. I've tried nearly every job that there is to try here. What can I do next? Um, and I guess this was the first point in my life where I actually dreamt and I came up with, yeah, my first dream. And believe it or not, it was actually Australia that completely inspired me with the my favorite TV program, which was Neighbours. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know, all English people watch Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose all Australians watch Coronation Street. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So we'll, we'll delve yeah. a little bit into Australia later on. So going into this, so, so you've, you're starting to dream a little bit here and you're understanding that sales is really important to you and you tried lots of different things. You found that media and kind of communications was something that you kind of enjoyed as well. So you went off to University of Leeds. Now, now for some, sometimes people can find it really difficult to find the relevance in what they study at university and how that actually applies to the work they do later in the career. You know, for you, what were the biggest ideas or the biggest take-homes you learnt while studying media and communications? Good question. Um, I mean, I definitely learnt a lot at uni, although I've not gone into, you know, be a TV presenter or a broadcast, you know, working in that type of an area. But I now do those and use those skills every single day. So I feel like throughout university, not only did I realise who I was, you know, that age in your life where you start to kind of awaken and get your confidence. But I, I very much learned how to work within a team environment. And again, this big focus on communication skills was always there. I realized at, at uni, especially in media studies, where I was constantly doing different types of project, projects, whether it was radio or TV or presenting or journalism, that I really thrived on change and I really thrived on a challenge. So I think um, the development of my personality and who I was and what I liked also really came from that university experience. 
you went into around that time you went into sort of working in advertising sales account manager what did mm. you enjoy most around advertising from a sales point of view hmm honestly i didn't really like it at all at the time <laughs> uh, you know what i think um I felt like um, a very small fish in a very big pond when I did this job. I was working for the biggest newspaper in Manchester, and I was really young to have actually got this job. Um, so I managed to talk my way into getting the job, and I found myself in this huge office surrounded by you know, hundreds of people that were a lot older than me, doing this job that I actually couldn't even believe that I managed to get. Um, so I think I did learn a lot from you know my, the elders in that environment and I was completely thrown into the deep end where I went from this young girl with no experience doing advertising selling to suddenly trekking around some of the largest car dealerships in Manchester trying to sell to these old men that had run them for years and I was, tw I was 20. Um, so I think um, it was a whole scary it, the whole thing was scary for me at the time, but I guess, again, it was that stepping stone of, of becoming myself and getting a little bit more confident and um, realizing that there was definitely more to the world. Once I'd got stuck into it, I realized, did realize very, very quickly that um, it wasn't for me, and I still always wanted more. I was just always looking for that job that I could wake up every single morning and just jump out of bed to go to. Um, yeah, and, and that wasn't it. And that that was probably the thing that pushed me into having the dream about maybe going somewhere else or doing something new. Okay, so transitioning into moving to somewhere new, you know, you decided to go backpacking and Australia was your destination of choice. So what attracted you to actually put a tent peg in the ground when you arrived in Australia? <laughs> yeah, so th this was my dream. I remember watching Neighbours one day and I was like, wow, if I could go anywhere in the world, it'd definitely be there. And I had this funny thought of, wow, imagine if I could go to Australia and, um, you know, just live there. And I remember landing in Sydney. I'd never really left England before. It was a big deal for me. And I remember the aeroplane door opening and the beautiful Sydney sunshine from summer, the summer heat coming through the door. And I just remember feeling this sense of I'm, I'm home. Um, so it, it was more a feeling more than anything else. I hadn't even been into Sydney. I was literally sat on the aeroplane and I just knew that I was going to stay. Um, so I headed into Sydney as a, yeah, as a backpacker with not very much money and kind of made it my mission to find a way to stay um, and started to do various bits of backpacking jobs until, yeah, an opportunity arose and, and the rest is history. <laughs> so talking about history... <laughs> So Zest Possibilities was your first entrepreneurial big endeavor. You know, what was the yes. why behind that business? Wow, well, I'd been working in all of these types of companies that were doing marketing, direct selling, promotional work. And again, this was using my communication skills. I started, uh, I'd word, worked my way up, I'd got into managing people and I realized that because of my communication skills, it was something I was really natural at. I found that people were following me very, very easy. And I was really great at the job. Um, so a few years into doing that, this opportunity arose where I could actually launch my own promotional campaign and move to Melbourne. And it was one of those moments where, you know, I had that voice in my head going, you can't do this. Like, How can you do this? You've got no experience at running a business. Can you pull it off? And the other side of the voice was saying to me, you know, just give it a shot. 
So, in yeah, I was 26 at the time. I launched Zest Possibilities with this huge, crazy vision in mind. Um, I thought, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to give it 110%. It was really exciting to think that I had this opportunity to write my own paycheck and, you know, be that master of my own destiny, I guess. So before even launching the company, I think I'd been told somewhere along the line that you should have a vision for a company. So I actually sat down and, and basically drew almost like a dream board, like a vision board for the future um, and came up with these ridiculous goals. Like I really wanted to build a team that was really fun and exciting and, um, you know, we'd set records and we'd be, everyone would be really competitive and fun and I dreamt of working with charities and raising $200 million. You name it, I dreamt it. And that that dream and all of that, that was really the foundation for launching that company. Um, and it really propelled everything that I did from that point on. I launched in 2006 with absolutely no money. I used Gumtree free advertising to basically recruit my first ever team and from the minute they walked in the door, I basically spoke about this vision to them. And the first few times I said it out loud, I felt really, really stupid. Um, but after two weeks of them hearing it every day, I'd kind of walk into the office and I'd hear them telling other people about it. And I guess we all heard it so much. It was our back was against the wall. We needed to make it happen. <laughs> Brilliant. So, so you talked about that imposter syndrome there when you first started on your entrepreneurial journey. How did you kind of overcome that? Because you, you have gone on to achieve a number of those big dreams that you spoke about in that vision. Yeah, well, you know, imposter syndrome is still absolutely there in my life. Um, it pops up probably once a week. I don't think it ever goes. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely a person that doesn't think too much. I'm, this is probably a, a good positive about my personality that I don't really think too much. I say something out loud and then I basically just will try things and take a bit of action until, you know, and make those mistakes and figure it out along the way. Um, so although it can be there in the back of my head, I basically just take action and keep myself busy until, you know, and block out the noise. And that's just been a trick that I've used throughout my career <laughs> up until this point. Um, every so often it pops up quite strong. And really the only way that I handle that is by just surrounding myself with really great people that I can call up and, and tell them what I'm thinking and they just tell me that I'm stupid and to get on with it. <laughs> and that's all I need to hear. <laughs> um, and usually I'll, I'll go, okay, right, listen, needed to say it out loud. I'm going to ignore that right now and carry on. <laughs> so from those lessons that you learned during those early years with Zest Possibilities, you decided in 2012 to co-found the League of Extraordinary People. What, what type of work was that team or is that team still doing that um, allows you to empower more female entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean, this came about completely by accident. Um, at that particular point, I was a brand new business owner. I'd been running the company for a little while, but again, I'd been teaching myself as I went. Um, so I decided to start going to conferences to learn about business. I went to this one particular conference where it was probably 500 men in the room and four women and one was me. So got speaking to the other women over, over lunch and we said, you know what, we should really set something up where female entrepreneurs can go. And this was before anything really existed. Um, so we basically decided to put together an event, popped it on Facebook 
and in two weeks sold 180 tickets to female entrepreneurs in Melbourne, which was absolutely crazy. Um, and the league got born by accident. So it was really, we've built this community of incredible female entrepreneurs that are just very honest and real. Um, and we meet once a month in in seven cities around Australia and we run events uh, globally as well um, and really support each other and I guess spur each other on when we are going through times like imposter syndrome. So it's just a really incredible um, community of women that are on the same journey. Brilliant. I, I love that idea and you know, being that catalyst to improving the gender gap and leadership it, what else do we need to really take that step so that the gender gap does close in the leadership space? I think it does come to, down to support. And I think that's why the league has grown so organically is that um, there's so many incredible female leaders dotted around the world. And as women, we tend to play ourselves down and we tend to be slightly uh, less confident. And I think if you can be in a community and surround yourself with other women that are um, you know, being great role models and being very open to chat and honest and share their real story, not just the success. Um, it can allow, you know, women to evolve and get confident and just actually try things. Um, and we have, you know, women that have been part of the league for years and years, working in a corporate job and eventually, because they've surrounded themselves by really great women, have taken that leap and quit their corporate job and started their business and have been on the whole journey with us so i think that's what what the league does really really well and what can obviously have an impact on that gender gap it's very empowering for you too you know with your you know you have a very busy visionary approach do you get time to really sit down and celebrate those successes that you see through these programs no, it's funny. Uh, a few weeks ago, we, we ran our yearly conference, which is a huge conference called Run the World. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm extremely busy with all of my projects. And myself and the three of the founders were on stage for the first time in years together. And, for you know, I could normally talk and I was comp found myself completely overwhelmed with tears in my eyes, looking at this incredible audience of women that we you know with so much love in the room that it was this moment to actually celebrate for me and be like, wow, how has this even happened? Um, you know, and just huge gratitude for being in, in this, in the room with all of these incredible people. So no, I don't celebrate too often, but, um, you know, every so often I'll, I'll feel that love and feel so much gratitude for where I've ended up. Beautiful. So you're not only inspiring females to be entrepreneurs, but you're also have such a, a much bigger purpose and that really came to fruition when you visited Sunrise Cambodia which led yeah. to Project Gen Z being born. Take us back to that time and, and what were you experiencing? What led to that idea? Mm. So I'd been running my company's S Possibilities for quite a long time at this point and, and look, um, I'd had really good success at that point. I had like a hundred staff throughout Australia and New Zealand. For the first time in my life I had money. Um, so everything on paper, you know, would my life would have looked incredible. Yet I found myself on this really random trip in Cambodia where I was visiting different work from different NGOs and spent just a few hours at Sunrise Cambodia. Now, 
Sunrise is basically a place where kids have been rescued from all different really horrendous situations, like rescued from begging circles, child prostitution. Some of them have been trafficked. Yet we turned up there and, you know, the kids ran to me and I was getting cuddles and their love and they're just incredible kids. And during that time, I met this incredible girl called Wow. And on meeting her, the first thing that I noticed was that her entire face and body were completely scarred. But I spoke to her for about an hour and she just had really great hope, amazing optimism. Um, it was almost like if I could pick Wow up and transport her to Australia, I just knew that she'd had so much potential, she would really do something incredible. So after speaking to her, I later heard her story, which was really mind-blowing. And her story was as a young girl, she was sold into a begging circle and trafficked over to Bangkok in Thailand. And every day she went out onto the streets with lots of different children and begged for money. And then one day she got brought back into the house by the men that owned her and a litre of battery acid was thrown in her face and she was left. Um, and she was sent out to be a better beggar. Now, years after that point, she was rescued by Sunrise and she then grew up surrounded by, you know, 200, 300 brothers and sisters and, and lived a really great life in Sunrise. Wow. So I left Cambodia. Yeah, crazy story. I left Cambodia and after meeting Wow and the Sunrise kids, it sounds really cheesy, but my life wasn't the same again. I came back to my nice house and my nice car and this company and it really started to make me think, wow, why am I actually doing this? You know, the motivation and the purpose kind of, I'd, I'd lost it somewhere. Um, and literally for five years, I felt like this. It was the only way I describe this, and I say this quite often, is that I had an itch that I couldn't scratch. And I woke up every morning thinking, how can I get back to Cambodia? But thinking to myself, well, what can I do? Um so, yeah, it actually took me five years to actually take some action on that and, and realize my passion was to make a difference to these kids that couldn't get an opportunity elsewhere. Um, and again, by accident, Project Gen Z was born. And from there, you know, like obviously you're seeing some very traumatic things and, and these children have been through some horrendous life experiences but they tend to be quite mm. happy. Like you talk about that happy aspect. It, it's amazing how people who have such who have such little material aspects seem to be more happy than the people that have lots of things like the big house and the big dream and the big company and the mm. big car. Isn't it interesting? It's a fascinating phenomenon. And I, and I saw this when I was living in Asia as well, where they just seem to have something more and they just they do. took nothing for granted. Mm. How yeah, you it's, it's special. Very, very special. Now, I know you have a big dream to educate a million disadvantaged youth by the year 2020. And how are you going in this vision? Well, look, we've definitely not reached that yet, but we will do whatever we can to keep reaching that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, we launched initially with running our Dare to Dream workshops in Cambodia, where I, I put together a team of 25 really super successful entrepreneurs from Australia. And went over to Cambodia and started to run what we call the Dare to Dream workshops. And the workshops are really cool. Like we pass on real simple life and business skills. And then these kids get together and actually launch their own mini business in, in a day. Um, so this was 
kind of how I, I jumped into this vision um, of inspiring the next generation. And the success we had was just great. And after coming back from that first trip from Cambodia, I realized that actually for the first time in my entire life, I'd found something that truly lit me up and made me jump out of bed in the morning. So I actually start, I launched the workshops then into Australia around Australian schools um, and around with working also with charities here in Australia and we go back to Cambodia every year as well. So over the last few years, we've educated thousands and thousands of kids um, and each year we're, we're kind of setting the goals higher and higher to continue on that mission. So it's going quite well. I definitely, we, we definitely won't hit it by 2020, um, but that doesn't stop us. We will keep, we will keep educating and inspiring for sure. Now, sort of moving on from here, you figured out that you wanted to have a greater impact and you needed to figure mm. out how you could scale that. So you then have launched now the latest venture, which is Ambezi. It's yes. a, which is a, do you want to tell us about that platform and, and why you get so excited about it? Yeah, I'll kind of start from the beginning with this because um, obviously I have this really big vision for Project Gen Z and what I was finding was I was getting a lot of frustration because each time I ran a workshop, I'd measure the impact and I'd see the impact was incredible. But as a lot of us know, when you're running a workshop, it's like running an event. It's a lot of work. And I could only ever fit 100 kids into the room at the same time. So I started to investigate, well, how how could I have more impact but using this same theory? And one thing that I've always done with Project Gen Z is I'd always bring really successful entrepreneurs into the room to share their story. And they would have really great impact on young people, you know, just listening to mistakes and how they explored careers and where they've ended up and that inspiration piece behind that story. So I actually came up with this idea, well, imagine if I could just ask any skilled or talented or inspirational person that I know just to donate one hour out of their year to go into a school to share their story. Like imagine that impact. And that was where the idea of Ambezi basically started. Um, I started to share this idea with people and people were really positive. And I started to hear, yeah, I'd definitely give an hour. I'd give more than an hour to go into schools to share my story. So I knew that technology had to play a part in this if I wanted to get the scale and the impact. So I, I then reached out to two um, really successful entrepreneurs that I'd known for quite a number of years, Dave and Ross Vestuka, their cousins. Um, and the whole idea of Ambezi began. It's really simple. We, we first started to build a platform where you can go on there and register to give one hour. And you'd build a, build a profile, so it'd have your photograph and it'd tell your story. And then a school can jump onto the platform, search for people in their local area, and then actually book that person to come into their school to share it. And we would measure all the impact from there. And we started to advertise it just really through friends um, and just had this incredible response. In the first couple of months, signed up over 2,000 people to give one hour um, and from there, the movement has just grown and grown. And now we have people in, I think now, 35 countries around the world that go into schools to share their story. Um, and we've also filmed a documentary, um, which now goes around the schools and, and kids and teachers and parents watch, really to help kids explore careers and find out and tap into that passion early so they don't feel all of this pressure to find that one thing that they want to do for the rest of their life. Just really great messages to kids to take the stress off them and, and get them to enjoy that journey a little bit more. 
So it's all about, you know, today's dreamers and tomorrow's leaders. And, and mm. I think from there, that hashtag kind of give one hour is really helping you sort of grow it. But how are you kind of tracking? You know, obviously we're seeing, we're getting some inspiration out there, but how are you then looking at what's next for those children? Mm. Yeah, we work really closely. We've got the most amazing advisory board because this is the main focus of Ambizia's impact. So how do we measure that? And we know that measuring inspiration, it's actually never even been done before. So we we have an incredible lady um, sat on our board who's a professor from Macquarie University in social impact. And she's worked with us to, um, and developed, firstly, a really, really simple survey, a, pro, a pre and a post survey that we run with kids um, when they hear stories and we will track on an ongoing basis. And then we also track the impact of the storyteller and, and how they feel as well going through that. Um, we have a psychologist on board, Marianne Power, as well, that is working on long time, long term impact um, tracking. Um, and we're even lucky enough to have a behavioral expert, Dr. Di Martini, on board as well, that's also helping us with this. So it's an ongoing learning experience for us. Um, we're right at the beginning, and we know that if we can crack tracking inspirational long term basis, we're really onto something. So I will definitely keep you. Um, up to date with how we're going with that but so far so good it's brilliant and, and what would be one of the biggest success stories that you've heard come back from one of these inspirational one-hour talks wow we have so many so many let me try and think of an exact one i mean we had an incredible one just a few years ago actually from um, a young 14 year old girl that came from a muslim a really strict muslim background and the speaker that we sent into this school um, she really related to she was also from a really strict muslim background and had grown up in a family where you know she really the opportunity of her running her own business or following her dreams just wasn't you know it wasn't even going to happen. It wasn't even possible in a strict Muslim family, um, you know, where the women were really expected to potentially just take care of the family. And she, this this lady that went in and spoke just had an incredible inspirational story of pursuing her dreams and overcoming the obstacles um, and going on to start a business that was really hugely successful. And this young girl reached out um, with this huge two-page email just actually sharing her gratitude for being able to hear that type of a story and to feel for the first time that she belonged and that she could actually do something with her life. So that's just one example of, of hundreds that we get through from kids that just just feel these different types of pressures and not really ever speak about it and, and hear stories and that open their eyes to the world for the first time, um, which is really, really nice to hear. Oh, I love that. Being able to open your eyes to the world. So talking about your leadership world, how would one of your colleagues describe your leadership style? Oh my goodness. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, what? I, I know I'm, I am the visionary. I'm the, the big ideas. Um, yeah, I'm definitely a person that will get down and do the the nitty gritty um i'm very passionate about what i do and leadership to me is just so important you know in in terms of being that role model and and being able to stay on ground level and, and do the work that you're expecting your tribe to do um so i feel like they might explain me as a little or describe me as a little bit crazy with huge ideas 
that somehow I managed to pull off. Um, and that's really through a journey of making a serious amount of mistakes, having a serious amount of failures, but being silly and stupid enough to keep persevering until I do it. <laughs> do you have a motto that you live by? I have a couple. Obviously, Dare to Dream is one of the big ones, but I have a saying that's kind of stuck by me from the very start of my entrepreneurial journey, and that is tough times don't last, last but tough people do. Um, so each time I'm having that thought of quitting or giving up, it, it's something I read. In fact, I had a designer paint it for me, and it sits in my office wall, so I look at it every morning. Um, so when I feel like giving them up, I'm going like, no, I've got to keep going. <laughs> love it. I love it. Now, obviously, as a with a very busy lifestyle and lots going on and different balls being, you know, juggling different balls in the air, how do you look after yourself from a health and wellness point of view? Mm. I've always had really strict rules um, in place and structure for this. Um, something as simple as trying to keep that balance so knowing that the minute I step through um, my door, you know, I've got two little children to look after. So my, my laptop is shut, my book's away and my emails are switched off. So the minute I walk through that house, you know, I can be present and I can relax. I can try and take that time out from work. I find that is incredibly important for me. Um, I don't get, you know, an awful lot of time to do things like exercise, but I, I do know how important exercise is for me. So I've always danced, as you mentioned in my intro. Um, I used to dance four times a week before I had kids. And that one hour lunch break used to be my dance um, and that would allow me to keep completely switching off and then going back to work and, and staying really focused for the last few hours of the day. And even though I can dance one day a week now, um, it still has that impact on me, that ability to almost switch my mind off and, and almost go into meditation through dance where it's that break just for me. And I feel that's really important for my mental health um, and just lots of family fun. So I think um, just the, the the main thing I've always found work is that ability to have things in place to switch off from work and not take my work home. Very good. I like that. We all know smart people have great answers, but the best people ask great questions. When was mm. the last time you did something for the first time? God, I mean, I do things for the first time all the time. Um, Believe it or not, for the first time two months ago, I actually entered a pitch-off competition for investment. And I'd never, ever, ever done it before. And I was so scared. And my two co-founders registered me without me knowing and then told me and I nearly killed them. <laughs> um, you know, so feeling that fear and feeling that challenge, um, that was really great. It pushed me completely out of my comfort zone. Um, and it was a really great reminder for me. You know, again, as a leader, we can walk around and we can preach this whole thing of jumping out of your comfort zone and, and, and keeping yourself scared. And that's how you grow and you learn. It was a great reminder for me to what am I doing today or what am I doing this week that's going to keep challenging me? Um, so the last couple of months, actually, that's what I've gone back to the drawing board on what can I do next? You know, what, what can I develop? What can I uh, try that will bring back that fear to me? Cause I think that fear is very, very healthy. And how, and how did you go with the pitch? Were you 
did you achieve your, what you set out to achieve? I didn't win, put it that way. Um, but I did, yeah. It was a really good experience. And I think um, now I've had that experience, I would definitely jump up there in a second to do to do that again. So I definitely recommend pitching as many times as possible for anyone that wants to try it. It's important to get clarity on your message, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I learned a lot from that. What is the one question that you would love to solve? I would love to solve, I guess, you know, working with young people, um, is, you know, it's the reason I live. It's my absolute purpose. And I'd, I would really love to solve the problem of stress and, and mental health with young people, honestly, because throughout my story, you know, when I was going through school um, and I had no direction, I wasn't any good at anything. Um, I didn't have a clue where I could go in life. Yeah, I, I did know that I had an extreme hunger inside um, to find that thing. And I feel like there's lots of kids out there that go through this stress and this pressure, you know, whether that be pressure from parents or pressure from the school to get these good grades, when we all know that education is like living a million years behind, you know, what we should see it as. Um, And then there's the pressure, you know, from social media and all these things that teenagers go through. I really feel like if we could we could actually help them solve that thing early on and finding the thing that they just love to do it would actually take a lot of this away. Um, so I don't know what the, the question would be around that, but that's, I guess, what I'm looking to solve and what I speak to people all the time about looking to solve. It's a long way away from where we were when we were younger. I think the pressures there are incredibly intense. So it is. So it's, it's, it's crazy. A, it's a great question that we do need to try and solve and, and reduce those pressures on those on our next generation. Mm. How do you know when you're in a peak state of mind? Oh, I know so well. I get this this excitement when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> and I'm super productive. Um, and my time goes fast. And I'm ticking things off my list. And, you know, I'm attracting really great opportunities into my life. Um, that's the way that I know. When I'm, you know, I'm in flow with the universe. And things are coming to me. And things feel easy rather than hard. Nice. Now, I'm going to add an extra question here, which I normally wouldn't do, but I'm very curious because you spend a lot of time mentoring other people and helping other people. Who mm. who do you have in your tribe of mentors that help you kind of stay on your journey? Wow, I have so many and I, I do feel so lucky for this, but I definitely say the three League of Extraordinary Women girls, you know, the other three founders are definitely you know, the backbone and the support for me. Um, You know, we have a a friendship that is so honest, you know, that no matter what any of us are going through, I feel, you know, sometimes you feel a shame around problems or mistakes you've made. I I can actually go to them and tell them anything and they'll support me. Um, As well as I'm extremely lucky to have a really great family and a great husband that does exactly the same. And then all of this, this tribe that we've built with Project Gen Z, these entrepreneurs that, we've got you know I've got great relationships with all with different skill sets and and backgrounds so I'm lucky I've got many many people that I can uh, reach out to and that's always a tip that I give everyone in in business is go and look at who you are spending your time with and if if you haven't got people that tell you to keep going 
then go and find new friends. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean you have to dump the old ones, um, but you are the average of your five best friends. So look at who you're spending your time with and, and go and find those people that can support you. Definitely, definitely. Now you're doing some incredible work and people I'm sure on this, listening to this episode would love to know more about what you do and what would be the best way for people to connect with you? Oh, wow. Well, definitely reaching out um, through any of my businesses, the League of Extraordinary Women, or following me on Instagram. Uh, my name is Liz J. Volpe, V-O-L-P-E. Um, but I'm always open to have great conversations over coffee, so absolutely reach out. And definitely for anyone that is listening who would like to sign up to give one hour through Ambezi, I definitely say head to Ambezi.com to do that. And I've already done that, so I'm looking forward to uh, inspiring our next Amazing. generation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Liz, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. You have had an incredible journey, and I love how you can openly talk about your vulnerability when you were young and not really sure about where you were going to go and what you want to do and what your purpose was in life. And you just got out there and gave everything a go. And I really love that aspect. It's like, just try it. You know, and you 30 jobs by the time you're 21 or 22. <laughs> is incredible in its own right. For you then to kind of see that vision of, you know what, I need to move out of my current environment and I need to move to Australia because something is there and something's gonna help inspire me, take me to that next level. You, your journey from there to, once again, giving something a go and throwing yourself in the deep end with your entrepreneurial world and what you've been able to achieve there so quickly brings it back to your incredible leadership skills and your ability to see a vision and bring everyone else along the journey. And that's so, so important. And I, I had a big smile on my face when you talked about sharing that vision and then within two weeks hearing the rest of your team sharing that vision. And that means you have really, really attached to those people and, and, and they've come to be part of you. To see how you're changing the world through your work in Cambodia and then now through Ambisi where you're getting people to come in and hashtag give one hour and help inspire the next generation to hopefully open them up to a new world where they hadn't really thought about where they could go or be inspired to, you know what, you have the ability, you have the opportunity to dream big and go after your dreams. And I think that's so, so important. So on behalf of the world, I'd like to thank you for the amazing impact that you are making and will continue to make for the, you know, for the rest of your career. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. On today's Active CEO Performance Tip, we're talking about mental toughness is a skill. We often hear the term mental toughness, but what does it really mean? Mental toughness is a personality trait that determines how well we can consistently perform under stress and pressure. It is our ability to respond to challenge, stress and pressure irrespective of the circumstances. A good way to describe mental toughness is our ability to keep going when the going gets tough. How are you going to be working on your mental toughness so you can handle and cope with the challenging times and ensure that you deliver with confidence and certainty and stay focused on what's really important. 
Thank you for listening to a beautiful conversation with Liz Volpe, Dare to Dream, on episode 67 of the Active CEO podcast. What do Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, Serena Williams, Oprah Winfrey, Barack Obama, Michael Phelps, and Eric Schmidt have in common? They all have a coach to ensure they continue to improve their performance and are on their A-game when it counts. Who is going to be in your corner in 2020? It's now your opportunity to have someone who will help you find clarity, ask you the tough questions, provide the paint for you to paint your picture, and most importantly, be there to provide the accountability you need to achieve and exceed your goals. Find out more by contacting Active CEO Coach Craig Johns at craig at nrg2perform.com or on the contact page of the www.nrg2perform.com website. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. Join the Active CEO movement by visiting www.nrg2perform.com. That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.